0: We're going to read, please, from Exodus chapter 15, and then Revelation chapter 8. The book of Exodus chapter 15. And the Lord has brought his people out from bondage, as he still does today, by the way. He still brings sinners out of bondage. And if you're in the service this morning, and you're in the bondage of the devil, Jesus can bring you out. You can't bring yourself out, but he can bring you out. That's why he's called the Savior. That's why he's called the Redeemer. The word redeem means to set free. The Lord has brought his people out of bondage in Egypt. By the blood of the Lamb, that is still the way of salvation, by the way. We have already told you about the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. It's the only way of salvation. It has always been the only way of salvation, and it always will be the only way of salvation. Works has nothing whatsoever to do with it. The blood of the Lamb is what it's all about. I hope you're under the blood today. Then the Lord brings his people to the Red Sea, which was a mile deep, one mile deep. How are they going to get across? Talk about an impossible situation. But nothing's impossible to our God. And he divides the Red Sea and there's two walls. He builds two walls of water. You ever see a wall made of water before? Well, the people on the shores of the Red Sea saw wall of water on either side one mile high must have been awesome the lord made a path through the sea and brought his people out and then he destroyed his enemies because the waters because the walls fell down we've all heard i'm sure of the walls of jericho falling down but here's the walls of Of the Red Sea falling down to destroy the enemies of the the Lord, the enemies of the gospel. It's a terrible thing to be an enemy of the Lord, you know. Sooner or sooner or later you're gonna collide with them and you're not gonna win. You're gonna come off worse. If you're an enemy of Jesus Christ, and the and Pharaoh and his his men were destroyed, they had persisted in their rebellion against the Lord. And a person who persists in rebellion against the Lord Jesus Christ, persistently refusing His salvation, the day will come whenever. They will be destroyed by the same hand that was nailed to the cross for them. And so here we have Israel standing on the far side of the Red Sea, open mouthed, no doubt, wide eyed at what they had just witnessed. And then there's a great song strikes up, and Moses and Miriam lead in this song, and it's the first recorded song in Scripture. And they sing this song, what a choir it must have been. And then they begin to move. See, whenever you're saved, you've got to start to move. Whenever the Lord saves you, you don't stay where you are. You're not saved to be stuck in the one position. The Lord wants you to start to walk with him, to walk along the narrow way, and it's a walk for the rest of your life, a day-by-day experience with Christ. Many an up or down, many a hill and valley, many a good day, but many a difficult day. We're not carried to the skies and flowery beds of ease, as the hymn writer said. The Lord's with us as we walk with him. And so the people begin their journey through the wilderness here. Let's read from Exodus chapter 15 and verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Let me stop there. Only three days after they'd been delivered. Only three days after they'd been saved, if we can put it like that. Very often, that's the experience of a new convert. They don't have to travel very long in the Christian life before they meet opposition, before they realize there's a devil. And I want to tell you today... I want to encourage you and urge you to seek Christ today if you're not saved. But I'm also going to I'm not going to sort of deceive you into thinking it's going to be all plain sailing and you know it'll all be sunshine for the rest of your your days. Not going to be. It's going to be a battle. There's going to be difficulties. It's going to be a cost. Just as it was for the Israelites here, they they were only away from the Red Sea three days and there's no water. Only delivered three days and they encounter their first problem. Seek Christ today, but don't delude yourself into thinking that there's going to be no problems. There will be problems. But you know what? It's worth it's worth all the problems because Christ is with you through the problems. I can vouch for that. I could write a book about the problems I've had in the Christian life. Well, it's worth it all. Because the Lord has been with me. And the Christians in the service will say the same thing. When you encounter the problems, keep going. Just keep going. As Winston Churchill said, never give up. Never give up. It's a good wee motto for the Christian life. Verse twenty three and when they came to Mara they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when it cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and three score and ten palm trees. And they encamp there by the waters. So they've had the problem. They've had no water. Very, very difficult experience. But they keep going and they come to the water. Come to Elam. Twelve wells of water. And there's not only water to quench their thirst. But there's also rest in the shade of the palm trees. Child of God... Young convert, just keep going through the problems and you'll be glad you did. The Lord will bring you into a good place. Keep going. The Lord will bless this reading of his word to our hearts. We better not forget about the New Testament reading. Revelation chapter 8 this is what we want to really focus on this morning, Revelation 8, and we begin to read at verse 10. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers. And upon the fountains of waters, and the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Why did we read from Exodus chapter 15? What's the connection between Exodus 15 and Revelation 8? Well, it's to do with water. Water. In both passages, you've got bitter water. Bitter water. In Exodus chapter 15, you find that Israel, they come to a place called Marah, which literally means bitter. Maybe you're at that place today. Is there someone here? And life for you at the present time is better. That would be a good word to describe it. I want to tell you today about the one who can turn the bitterness into sweetness. And his name is Jesus. The people of Israel, they come to Marah. The water is bitter. Often as Christians, we're at Marah, aren't we? Some Christians are at Marah more often than others. Don't ask me to explain it, my dear friends, because I'm just a mere mortal. But I'll tell you someone who will explain it someday, and that's the Lord Jesus. And when we reach the other side, saved by his grace, redeemed by his blood, we will be able to sit down with our Savior under the tree of life and we'll be able to ask him, Lord, why? Why? What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. I believe it, my dear friends, that those of us who are saved and we have better experiences in life, and if you're having one at the present time and it's maybe just Uh, been unleashed upon you recently or maybe it's been going on for for months now or years you know that but I want to tell you today first of all make sure that you're in Christ because when you're in him and you know him as your savior then you can look forward to a day when you'll be with the Lord and all the bitter experiences will be past. it'll be worth it all Because you see, you can only really appreciate the sweetness of heaven when you've had the bitterness of earth. The contrast makes the sweetness all the more wonderful. There's some of you dear brothers and sisters today, and you're out here this morning, and mind you, you could be at home very easily because you've got health problems and all the rest of it. And the devil has put a lot in your way to keep you at home. But you're out today by God's grace and you've made the effort. I I want to tell you that there's better up ahead for you. The better is going to be made sweet. If you know Christ as Savior, that is. If you don't know him as Savior, I can I can only warn you that In eternity, it'll be the same as now. It'll be bitterness as well. It'll be the same. Bitterness now, bitterness in eternity. For those who are without Christ, you see when the third trumpet blows (coughs) in Revelation chapter 8, this judgment that falls, this wormwood, this bitterness that poisons the waters, this is a judgment upon Unconverted people, and it's too late now. The, the church has been taken home to heaven. All the Christians are gone because it's the Great Tribulation. Uh-huh. Some of some people say, "Ah, oh, you you preachers who believe that the Christians go before the Great Tribulation, you're just taking the easy way out. You're just saying that Christians don't have to go through any tribulation." No no, no, not at all, not a bit of it. Christians go through a lot of tribulation. The Bible says in the book of Acts, we must pass through much tribulation to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Yes, there is much tribulation for the child of God for believers, but I want to tell you that the, the believers, the church, don't go through the great tribulation. Ah, uh, they have great tribulation in their in their lives. But they'll not go through the great tribulation that's described in Revelation chapter 8. All the blood washed, not not brainwashed now. Now we're not brainwashed us Christians. A lot of other people are brainwashed today but but not the Christians. But those of us who are blood washed will not experience what Revelation 8 and this third trumpet is is heralding bitter waters for those who are left on planet earth. Too late then. Too late to be saved. But it's not too late now because the third trumpet hasn't sounded. The first trumpet hasn't even sounded because the great tribulation hasn't started. Because Jesus hasn't come back, but he could come back soon. Perhaps he will come back this week. Perhaps we'll not even get to the fourth trumpet. Now, we're all looking forward to Brother John coming next Sunday morning, but maybe, who knows, the Lord Jesus will have come back beforehand. That's in his hands. But, dear friend, make sure you're ready. Now, don't you be waiting to half twelve. Don't wait to the end of the service. Don't wait until I finish preaching. No, you get in right now. Just quietly there in the pew, you just turn to the Lord in your heart. Seek him personally. And then, my, you'll have sweetness to look forward to. You'll be able to look forward, perhaps, to a loved one in the glory, to a happy reunion with them. But there's only going to be a happy reunion if you know their Savior. And so, to go back to Exodus 15 and the reason why we, we read it, it's because of the bitter water. Uh, and you see, whenever the, the people, uh, whenever they tasted the water, then they turned to Moses. And Moses doesn't know what to do. Do you ever get to the stage where you say, what's going to happen next? Do you ever have a bad day or a bad week or a bad period and and just seems to be everything's going wrong? And, you know. Something happens to the car. The car breaks down. Next, it's the washing machine. Next, there's something else. One thing after another. What's going to happen next? Well, I'm sure Moses felt like that here. Lord, first of all, no water. We well, haven't water for three days. We're we're parched. And now, Lord, it's, it seems to be that you're just you're just teasing us because we, there's water, but it it's bitter. We can't drink it. Well, the Lord always has the solution to the problem, and so he he tells Moses. Now, Moses wanted to take a tree, throw it into the water. The waters will be made sweet. Some people would say, "Well, you know, what's the big deal? You know, trees are porous and..." You know, porous trees can take the bitterness out of water, change the, quali- the, the, the water quality. It means, what's the big miracle? Well, I'll tell you folks, it is a big miracle because there's a big number of people to drink. You're talking about a million people here who were thirsty. A million people and the Lord supplies sweet water for them all to drink. That's the miracle. So this bitter water is made sweet. And it's all because of a tree. Those of you who love your Bible, you know where I'm going. Life's bitter experiences are made sweet because of a tree. It's because of a tree where my Lord bled and died. It's called Calvary. Calvary. We looked at it a few Sunday evenings ago. You know, it's amazing how often the New Testament calls the cross a tree. I mean, does the book of Acts not speak of him have ye slew and hanged on a tree? Who himself bare our sins in his own body on the tree? tree the tree of Calvary sweetens every bitter experience of life we've sung it today haven't we? The cross it takes our guilt away it it holds the fainting spirit up it cheers with gloom gloom. it cheers with, with hope rather the gloomy day and sweetens every bitter cup sweetens every bitter cup. You know, whenever the bitter, the bitter experiences of life come, isn't it wonderful to be able to, to, to know for sure Jesus died for me, his blood was shed for me, and even though I'm going through a bitter experience and even though, though life is difficult, and it just seems to be one thing after another. I know that up ahead there is an amazing future. And I know that I will be with Jesus for all eternity, forever. And it will be sweetness forever and ever. this tree sweetens every bitter cup. It was made sweet by the tree. The waters of Mara were made sweet by the tree. And the waters, the bitter waters of our lives are made sweet by the tree of Golgotha where Jesus bled and died. Have you been to that tree? Are you sheltering under that tree? Are you finding shade under that tree? Just as the Israelites came to Elam to the 12th, Palm trees where they could rest and find shade from the burning noonday sun. It's good to be finding shade of Calvary from the burning wrath of a holy God against our sin. (coughs) Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Now, do you see the connection between Exodus 15 and Revelation 8? But there's something else that we must mention before we finish today. Revelation 8, verses 10 to 11, speak of the, the water, and the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. <coughs> <coughs> And it fell upon the third part of the rivers, and upon the fountains of waters, and the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. It's all about the water. This judgment is on the water. My dear friends, let me tell you today that Jesus is the water of life. Jesus Christ is the water of life. Where do we get that from? Well, John chapter 4 verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto, it's the woman at Samaria, the woman of Samaria. He said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Verse 14, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And then in the next verse, I love this. Do you know what that Poor sinful lady said to the Savior when she heard of the living water, Wait for it, listen, sir, give me this water. Sir, give me this water. Do you want the water of life today? Is your soul thirsty? For the living water that only Christ can give. Well, Jesus said in another place, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now, don't be coming to the pastor and don't be going to the church or a denomination. Abomination, as one preacher called it. Sometimes denominations can be abominations. But don't be going to the preacher or to the church or to your creed or whatever. Or a set of legalistic rules or regulations. Go to Jesus for the living water. It's only in him you'll find it. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. Hallelujah. That's what the hymn writer said. My thirst was quenched. My soul revived and now I live in him. Will you say today, sir, give me this water? I believe God's speaking to souls in these days. Oh, how good the lovely Holy Spirit is to visit us in new buildings in these days and, and speak with the whisper of love, the still small voice. I believe he's speaking to individuals in these days. And those of you that he's speaking to, you need to say, like the woman at Samaria, Sir, give me this water. And he'll give it to you. But what about Revelation chapter 8 and this third trumpet? Well, you see, these people have refused the water of life. Oh, these people on planet Earth at this particular dispensation and period in the world's history they have heard that Jesus is the water of life but they've took the water of life and they've said here Lord you can have it back I don't want it and they throw the water of life back in the face of Jesus by the way that's what a person does every time they reject the gospel it's just like they're taking that. I have a bottle of water here. I'm glad of it at the minute because I've got a bit of a tickle. Every time a person rejects the gospel, throwing the water back in the Lord's face. It's not a very nice thing to do, is it? Maybe nobody here would do that. Is there? Because you see, for that water, my Lord had to die. My Lord had to die. I thirst. I thirst. wonder do you say that today? Is that what you're saying today? Oh, I'd love it if you were saying that. I thirst to be saved. I thirst to have all my sins forgiven, to have the past blotted out. Well, if that's you today and you're saying, I thirst, and you're not thirsting for alcohol now, there's no satisfaction in the bottom of a bottle. It's not found there. No satisfaction is found in the water of life that Jesus gives. I want to tell you, if you say, sir, give me this water, he'll give it to you and you will never thirst again.